Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Jeremy Fisk, and I am joined by Lee Carlo and Chapin Hemingway for this very exciting edition of the podcast where we're going to talk about Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix, uh, directed by Todd Phillips. We're then also going to do our top five lonely characters. Can you please stop bothering my kid? Sorry. Arthur, I have some bad news for you. This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they could do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal. All right, guys, so this has been a much-anticipated movie this year for us as well as the rest of the world. Um, I know it was on our most-anticipated movies of the year list, at least on mine, Um we are all big fans of Joaquin Phoenix, and we wanted to see what he could do with the character that's so iconic and almost untouchable after Heath Ledger did his version of the Joker in uh, Nolan's movie. So here we here we have a director, Todd Phillips, who I guess we'll we'll get into our opinions on him. He was you know most famous for the Hangover movies. Um, and he decides to make a very sort of gritty 70s style uh, DC comic mo- movie about the sort of origins of the Joker. And the origins of the Joker are very sort are, are very dark. Um, they are about a character who's, uh, obviously very messed up, uh, uh, very much a loner who incites violence uh, at times. And we have, no, end, yeah. we have no hero in this movie. It's really about where did this guy come from? It's, it's about mental health. It's about that sort of thing. Um, so here we have a movie that really is about this one character who who we know is essentially evil but the whole movie is based around their development with no sort of uh, good guy for lack of a better phrase to uh go against him and then we've also seen the joker the iteration of the Joker already before with one of cinema's probably like most famous performances in Heath Ledger's Joker. 
So I guess m- my question to you guys is, you have a movie that sort of incites violence and is about a character with mental illness with nobody fighting back. And it's a character that we already know. Did this movie essentially need to be made? Do you guys, and I'm not saying that in a judging way. I just, I'm really curious what your thoughts are on the fact that they decided to make this origin story of a character that we just, we're, we're all so familiar with and has already been portrayed in, in, in such brilliance already on the big screen, did they need to make this movie? That's a good question. I think it's an interesting one because, and it's a, it's a more topical question than maybe you even anticipated, Jeremy, because we're in this world where, or in this time in, in movies where things are constantly being remade, right? And so this character, even before Heath Ledger's performance, had already been remade. I think it started with Cesar Romero in the TV show in the sixties and then they made a movie of it. And so when Jack Nicholson did it in, um, 1989, there was already a precedent for it. There was already mm-hmm. something to compare it to. And so, um, but I, I agree with you in the sense that I, I mean, I don't want to just too- saying, given the climate no, of the world, I, I would do, a movie like this. Yeah. I just, I think to me, the Heath, Ledger Joker from the Dark Knight and we can discuss that movie at some time because I'm very interested in your feelings on it Jeremy since the last time we watched it together you were quite critical of it but I think the one thing you can argue with from that film is that it is sort of like the definitive Joker representation on set uh, on a, in a movie and perhaps the definitive villain and I think the one key um, decision that Nolan made in his scripting of that film was to not only make the Joker sort of an unreliable narrator of his own backstory, but really kind of deny the audience a backstory whatsoever. That, that character right. just shows up, and I thought I thought that was so smart. Um, and it makes it it makes that character for a bunch of reasons we can discuss if we're interested in it um, so much more effective. I think. And so before even going into this movie, I had the thought about I had the thought that you know do, why do we need the origin of this character. I mean, we loved it so much when it was left up to our own imagination, or maybe, maybe the Joker just exists in a vacuum. You know, maybe he doesn't have, maybe he's just there all the time. Maybe he didn't, he, he didn't, you know, just, he didn't form. He just is this chaos or, or whatever the Nolan movie made and made us think. And so I had, I had a, I sort of went in skeptical, of the film to begin with, given that we knew this was going to be the origin. Uh, you stole one of my points, Chapin, about kind of the brilliance of Heath Ledger's Joker, that he just showed up and we don't know his backstory, and that is very much part of the brilliance of that character. But on the topic of whether or not this movie needed to be made sort of in the context of the world we live in, what I think is sort of interesting about it is that the the world of Batman that the Joker resides within, that is sort of just kind of on the outskirts of this movie. I mean, there's a lot of mention of Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's father. You do see Bruce Wayne uh, at a couple points, and you're in Gotham. But really, my question was not so much did this movie need to be made as much as did this character need to be the Joker? I mean, this is a story about... That's an interesting question. 
um, what do you mentally, mean? Can you explain that? Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a story about a a, a mentally ill character that is neglected by society in every single way possible as we see through much of the first half of this movie and he snaps and i think that's there's a story there certainly i think that's a interesting character study that needed that, that can be told but it didn't matter that it was the joker i mean i i don't know that the i the clown I movement that... was as relevant I, I think the fact that it's the Joker allowed us to get through a lot of the uh, sort of lingering this movie did because yeah. we knew where this was going. If we didn't know uh, uh, that this was the Joker and where this was going, we I think a lot of it would have just been a bit tedious as an audience But whose member. fault is that? I mean, that's that's not... I mean, that's not an excuse. That no, no, not at all. I'm just you know, saying. They can't I, say, oh, I well, think... I had the Joker, so I can take my sweet ass time. I feel like they did think that. Before we get too involved in this, Jeremy, I, I, I think this was hottest on your list. I don't think it was on mine. Lee, was it on your list initially? It wasn't. I mean, I, I, I was. That's fine. Excited that's fine. about it, but I was always that's dubious fine. of the director. Yeah. I have to, you know, that was always my. So, hesitation. so Jeremy, my question for you is: Why was this so appealing to you? going in uh a couple reasons because when i saw the trailer i felt like oh wow this is sort of a uh a, a, a individual piece it's like something it, it, it's gonna be about the process of becoming the joker which is fascinating whether you want the joker to have a backstory or not there's always that lingering question even in the dark knight um of why like why this person became this way and and they in the dark night they play it like hey i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say stuff and it's nothing's gonna really matter but you really it's obviously an intrigue there's a reason that heath ledger's uh character in that says you want to know how i got those scars and then says two three different stories because you want to know what created this character yeah there there's that and then there's joaquin phoenix who i think honestly might be my favorite actor right now certainly Um, we 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 talked about that on the you were never really here podcast which you know oddly this movie had a lot of similarities to um but you know what I thought about bringing with, with, with that point you just said, Jeremy, about wanting to know about how these people became that way. I thought of Lee and your feelings about the sort of birth to death um, biopic. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and how those movies, the Rays, the the uh, the Walk the Lines, the 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 movies that tell you that story never or don't or, or very rarely seem to hit the mark and the ones that kind of focus on that kind of drop us in the middle of a of a uh, of a significant time in that person's life are the ones that are often more successful for us well this is a drop you in a significant time it it, it is but i would argue we don't see but this isn't birth to death no that's true but this is also not a real character this is but we 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 learn we learn who this character is and what has happened to him um, in the in the film, so I would argue that you do. Yeah, you do see birth to death to a certain extent. Well, not to death, obviously, but you see flashbacks to his early years and things like that. Look, I mean, we're we're talking about it in in relation to 
the Batman world, where I feel like this is really a movie that Todd Phillips wanted to make a sort of homage to 70s films. I feel like take the Joker out of it, you're looking at you're looking at basically a 70s film. Now, it's if like, it was yeah, it's like one of those like urban squalor exploitation films from the seventies and eighties, yeah, this is this, and that's why Robert De Niro obviously was cast in this. This is a De Niro movie from the seventies, and he's trying to make a De Niro movie from the seventies, but then like sort of pop in there little uh, aspects of hey, this is the Joker. This is you know, this is something you recognize every once in a while. A little a little piece of that which. Uh, keeps the audience intrigued, but th- that I think was Phillips' goal here. Okay, can we get into Did... this? Yeah, let's get into it. Do you not think so? Oh, that was his goal. Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know. This movie, I really did not like this movie. <laughs> Interesting. I, uh, I'm okay. Go ahead. Well, it's a mess. I mean, it really is a mess. And again, I. I... I guess I'll preface with my Todd Phillips thoughts really briefly. Like I, I hated the hangover and I, and I just kind of gave up on Todd Phillips after that. Um, I mean, I think old school is a funny movie. I think road trip has its moments, but ultimately it's not a director that I'm really a big fan of. And to see him move into this genre, uh, with, which he did with his last movie in war dogs with something a little more serious, which I didn't see, but you know, it's not something I was like, Oh, well, a, a great comedy director moving into, to more serious films i'm so excited to see that it's just not the case so you know that was always what i was i was hesitant about with this movie but like i think the proof was there like that he's just not really that great of a director it's a mess uh in all sorts of ways which we'll kind of go through i'm sure as we're reviewing this movie but i think my biggest critique across the board was this movie's lack of subtlety everything was on the nose as exposition top to bottom you know, there's literally a line at the beginning of this movie when he gets the sign stolen by the kids and he's chasing them and then they knock him down and kick him. They're literally yelling, beat him up, beat him up as they're kicking him. And I'm, it, it was just a microcosm of this movie's lack of subtlety that was rampant throughout. So I, I didn't have that issue with this movie. I mean, I didn't love it, but I definitely did not hate it. And I thought the intrigue factor for me... So I thought this movie... The issue I had with this movie was it had a lot of repeat scenes. It had a lot of scenes where we, like, at a certain point, like, we get it. We get what what his issues are. Like, we keep seeing the problems in his life. Like, we get it. Let's get to the point where... We all want to be like we all want to see this this switch to the Joker. Let's like let's get there. Let's get there. Let's get there. But it just kept slowly. Uh, it was like a slow burn to try to to show us this, and it just kept having this sort of same scenes over and over again. And I'm like, uh, all right, yeah. And those scenes weren't subtle. Like it was scenes of him getting fired and told that he sucks and and getting beat up like everything was so what do you want him to do like what what would have been better honestly like just have some subtlety like i i think there's a lot of movies that have characters sort of 
getting. But if they had this, like the nothing happened in this life. movie for. I'm not for saying he can't get beat up. But literally, hour. there was like a five five to ten minute stretch at the beginning of this movie where. We just literally went through a checkbox of all the things you could say could go wrong for a person. And we're like, okay, I got it. His life sucks. And then, like you said, it just ha- then they go and they start the tape over again. And we watch the same things happen in just a slightly different version. But it's, it's all the same. I mean, there's a really pivotal scene on the, on the subway that, that ultimately is a bit of a catalyst for much of the movie. But it was, a, it was the exact same scene <laughs> before that, like, uh, integral piece happened. It was the exact same scene we'd already seen in the alleyway 20 minutes beforehand. And I was rolling my eyes. I'm like, okay, like again, like, <laughs> what no, is going I, on I, agree, I agree that this movie had too many repeat scenes before we got to the point of he, he becoming the Joker. So like why, and again, it goes back to my original question. Why make this movie? Like we have nothing, so we have a we have an hour, hour and a half of him just getting the shit kicked out of him by life. Then he becomes a Joker, which is interesting because Joaquin Phoenix is so good. And then he's the Joker, and then the movie ends. What what did that? What did this movie give us? Yeah, I well, wish- I think there's a there's some there's been a lot of talk about the the irresponsibility of this movie and I think that's part of the argument that I think a movie about somebody being shit on by life and breaking is sort of an important subject matter I have to be honest like I think that there's a movie to be made there if it's done you know responsibly but to just like like you said to just kind of see that happen for an hour and a half then he becomes the villain what are we learning here you know what 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 do we have left at the end I mean, this movie hinges on the fact that we know who the Joker is. If if we don't... Like, if you went into this movie blind without any sort of knowledge... Imagine going into the movie without any sort of knowledge of the Joker. How would you react to it by the end? Well, that's an interesting question because I think they try to create, like, Thomas Wayne to be a villain... So like you, you there are part, there are moments in this movie where it's c- clear that they want you to root for for Arthur for Arthur Fleck the Joker before he's the Joker and like that makes him sort of victorious at the end of this movie because he has sort of stood up to you know the man for lack of a better term I, and and maybe that's something that this movie's trying to get at but it's created. It's the origin story of a villain, not a hero. Chapin, yeah, you. yes, but I mean, he is the hero of this movie. Well, he's he's yeah. the main character. He's the protagonist. Sure. He is, yeah. And the end of the the last, well, the second to last scene in this movie is proof of that. Like he's lauded by, <laughs> by at the end of this movie. Yeah, yeah, he he starts a revolution, or he's the face of it, right? Well, what do you, so so, Chapin? <laughs> what do you think of where, the movie? <laughs> what do you think of this movie? I, I can't tell if you liked it or no, didn't. I I hated this movie. I ah, hated okay. it. I Sorry, absolutely. So I did not hate it. it. Um, Ex- but, expound on that. I mean. 
like it begins with the flaw of that you identify, Jeremy. And I'm not, and I, I don't really, I don't know how you can keep asking us why did they make this movie, and none of us have answers. And you can keep saying it's a good movie. I don't know why they made this movie. I'm not interested in the Joker's backstory at all. I don't care. I don't care at all. I like that he is the personification of chaos, and and honestly, like. <laughs> I mean, I have a couple notes here, and I'm just going to eviscerate the people involved in this movie, but I'm just going to go ahead. Like, honestly, I, I was with you on Joaquin Phoenix. I thought he was, like, the actor of our generation or, the you know, the certainly the most interesting actor working today. You know what? He, and he might even have been the heir apparent to Heath Ledger. But I think he and I think um, Jared Leto, who I do not think is a good actor, are – express an, an insane amount of vanity taking on these roles after such a complete performance from Heath Ledger. Why touch it again? Why do it again? Why try to make this movie again? I, I didn't even think he was that good. I mean, I, I, I this really, no, I didn't think, I didn't think so. I thought he, oh, I thought he, he was, was doing Freddie. I Welch. thought he was the reason I that, fall in the middle of you guys on, on his performance. I mean, he's I, fine. I, he's I mean, the he's, reason to watch it for the hour and a half where they keep repeating scenes because you're just like, <laughs> yeah, that's so Sorry, good. I have a condition. So interesting. Oh, he's got a condition. That's, that makes, that's really interesting that he's got a condition and he's got a card written out. Isn't that convenient? Well, not that for was those a perfect of us. scene of the lack of subtlety in this movie. That lady turns around and she's like, will you stop bothering my kid? I'm like this, like this perfectly innocent person on the subway making like funny faces at at this kid that they gotta say, okay, how else can we shit on this guy? Let's think of the most obvious way possible. That that's what, that's what I mean. Like it was just so obvious. Every scene was so obvious. Yeah, I mean here. I, I, I don't disagree with you guys, and I think there was a lot. Disagree, <laughs> goddammit. Well, let's disagree. <laughs> No, no, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I also think that Phoenix's performance was able to elevate it above what you what you're saying about this movie. Oh, like I, he was so interesting in everything he did, and and I feel like Chapin, you're just like, oh, nobody should ever do it again because Heath Ledger just did such a good job, and that it should be, never be touched, which is it's not fair for any actor like if any actor's going to touch it and i feel like if any actor can touch it it's it's phoenix and i i I, I, I get you somebody has to play the role but not our most interesting living actor why not why not because it sucks it was horrible and he was horrible in it i don't i don't don't agree he was horrible about about at that that role being untouchable at this at this point. I mean, if we're going to do fine, that, then we fine. have to say movies are untouchable, I'm, and they're I'm remaking not, every fucking shit not, out there. I so. am not saying it's untouchable. I'm saying that all I could think about watching that movie is the vanity of thinking that you could touch it. I am I'm I'm, I'm sure that it could, be, but you have to admit the influence that that performance that Ledger's performance had on on this performance and. I mean, maybe a little. I thought it was very different, actually. Yeah, I thought he tried to do his own thing. I thought he tried to uh, intentionally stay away from that performance. <sighs> because if you like, in this I, movie, I mean, like, I do Fe- because Phoenix's like, Joker is as not good as smart. Ledger's performance was. Like, it wasn't the movie. This is this. The movie is the Joker here. Great. But the thing is, like, just to compare, if we're going mean, to compare the two, like, Phoenix's Arthur that, Fleck like, is an unintelligent this, person. Where... This generation deserves. All right, so let's go back to my point about this isn't the movie about 
this movie was not made to compare itself to any of the the Batman world movies. I feel like this movie was only made to compare itself to Taxi Driver and King of Comedy and The Conversation in in, in those movies. I feel like that's why this movie Is this was your made. Top five? <laughs> uh, they're all in my top five. That's fine. Uh, but but is that not a point? Like, am I? crazy no, that's here. Point. I that's feel like point. that's, that's the... But that's worse. That's worse. I mean, like, okay, we're talking about one performance. How about you compare yourself to three, like, amazing movies? No, there's a there's a scene where where it's all, it's almost like a... It could be argued a shot-for-shot remake of a scene in King of Comedy where... Or, um, in, but they're in not being movie. subtle about their tribute to King of Comedy. No, it, like, that's it's fine, clear but, as day. But they that's cast fine. De Niro. But if you're not going to be, if you're going to be obvious about it, then, then it's more obvious how much movie this pales in comparison. So the, exactly, the scene exactly. I'm talking about, like Phoenix is on the couch pretending to talk to Murray Franklin, Robert De Niro's character in this movie, just like De Niro as Rupert so, Pumpkin just so is you pretending guys know, to talk I, about. I watched King of Comedy that night. Yeah, and it's I watched the Joker. that scene is so much better in King of Comedy. And when he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Phoenix does the exact same thing, and it's just, it's just like a, it's Jeremy. Remember you made that comparison about like when you take a picture of a picture, like that's what that was to me. Like it was just this attempt to pay homage, but it was just this shitty, like not as good version of it. And so if you want to pay homage to these great films, fine, do it. Like. I have absolutely no problem with that, but you are running the risk of highlighting the flaws in your own movie when you do that. And this move, and that's what this did. It just highlighted Phillips' like uh, lack of abilities in comparison to someone like Martin Scorsese, that he clearly is drawing influences from, and he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have the same kind of abilities to to create a character like Travis Bickle or Rupert Pumpkin, and it's obvious uh, obvious here. I mean, I have to say he did a good job in the, in, in the grittiness of this movie. I mean, it looked fine. Yeah, yeah but it, like, looked, it looks gritty. It looks great. It looks great. The soundtrack is great. That's about it. Okay. The music. I hated the music in this movie. Uh, I should say this. The music itself was fine, but it was so out of place. And like he used it horribly. I felt like it was it was never in the right scenes. And then the songs that he chose seemed so out of place. I thought it was terrible and it was distracting it never stopped so okay so so chapin you think joaquin phoenix was bad in this no it's not it's not that it's just that i and i and i hope that we we have a, a chance to discuss this when we go into our fixies but like your mo- your your performance has got to be in service of the movie right like i mean <coughs> vice <coughs> excuse me i had a cough well sure i mean I guess what what are you saying that that so you, that means that that performance was not in service of the movie, but it made both of your fixie lists. Fair enough. Okay, well we can relitigate that another time. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I hated this movie. So the fact that his performance was in service of the movie made me sick. I hated the performance. I hated everything about this movie. Uh, 
This I is, need more I, from you, Chapin, though, I just, about okay. why you hated it so bad. This this generation like of anything. like social media people living their life online like an open wound. Everybody's talking and confessing their darkest secrets online. This is the villain they deserve. This one who has a blank, just simple Freudian explanation for it. Why why do we want to see our villains like this? Why? Why would you go into a movie like, oh, I'm interested in the origins of the greatest villain ever made? Why? Who gives a shit? Mental illness? This is a Batman movie. But it's not, <laughs> though. Okay. All right. But that's so, the thing. That's what I'm trying to say. The this is not a bad You want to make movie. Taxi Driver 2? You want to remake Taxi Driver? Do that. That was my point at the beginning. Like, may, this is an interesting movie outside of it being about the Joker. I think it could have been. I, I think there was something there that they were trying to capture, whether it has to do with mental illness, whether or, or whatever origin of this person is. It didn't need to be the Joker. I think putting it into the DC universe hurt this movie. And I don't know that it would have been better separate from that. I don't it, uh, with all other things being equal, I don't know that it would have been any better at all. But it sounds Do like think- Chapin that it might well, have been better for you absent of just that piece. Take the Batman, Joker, DC stuff all away and have the exact same movie. I would have I would have said, "Oh, a middling reviewed film by Todd Phillips. I think I'll catch it on HBO." Do you think uh, this movie think was irresponsible? What? Do you think this movie was irresponsible in any way? I, I, I do because I like, do, but I don't. I I I do think it was irresponsible. I don't agree with the fact that p- filmmakers should have to think about the impact of their film on crazy people. I would like to say a special thank you to the nutcase who uh, was sitting in the back of the two-tiered giant movie theater I was in, dressed as the uh, nurse Joker from The Dark Knight, sitting all by himself in in the last row of the balcony. That was a lovely thing. I was looking over my shoulder every 15 minutes when I wasn't asleep, of course, um, (laughs) looking to see if that guy was going to, you know, pull a sawed off shotgun from God knows where. Yeah, they didn't allow any masks or makeup. I wish they would have done that in mine. I. I've I've seen a lot about this movie. Is this an irresponsible movie? Is this a dangerous movie? And I and I mentioned a little bit like to create to create a hero out of the most famous villain. In well, I in, think like I think that's <laughs> where it becomes irresponsible. Is, is risky. Um, it's it's fine to make him a hero. It's not fine to sort of. To reference your intro, Jeremy, like make this seem, you know, allude to the fact that this film is in any way uh, uh, about mental illness in any kind of real way. Like, yeah, the Joker is crazy. That's as far as we should go in a film like this. Not like, oh, this is. But how do you make an origin story about the Joker without. Uh, I know what Chapin's answer is going to (laughs) be. You don't. You don't. (laughs) You don't ever make it. Um, this is, this to me is a little bit of like concept over content. Like it's, it's, you're so obsessed with the idea of the Joker origin (laughs) as your concept that who gives a shit what we put in there? Like everybody's going to get to see where the Joker came from. So it doesn't matter if we're obvious about, you know, how the world is treating him. Doesn't matter if we're obvious about, you know, where that takes him and how, how everything goes and how 
obvious the finale of this movie on the Murray Franklin show is in his his let's oh, let me sum up the movie as I sit on this talk show um, scene that they had. That was so awkward that they like. There's no way they should have right? like <laughs> even in the world of the movie they should never have let this guy on the show, right? Like that just seems so out of place. Even at like when I was watching, I'm like, they would never, they would never. So I have to admit, there was there was a I really I don't know if I really liked, but I liked there was I don't know how long it was, maybe twenty or twenty five minutes of this movie, um, and it began after. Uh, his realization about his relationship with his neighbor Zazie Beats, and then it ends right before his little monologue on the Murray Franklin show. There's that short stretch there. It's basically just him on the subway going to the show, <laughs> if I think about it. Um, but like that's sort of where you realize like that he's snapped, and I thought that that was sort of just kind of an interesting little short bit of this movie that was sort of mesmerizing. Like you just kind of see, okay, he has officially hit rock bottom and what he has nothing to lose it's uh, it, it basically begins after he realize or we realize um the truth about his relationship with Zazie Beats oh right yeah and then from there he basically kind of that's where his you know evolution into the becoming the Joker for real begins and then it doesn't make it all the way to the end unfortunately it, it stops when he kind of starts spewing all that shit on the on the um, late night show, um, but in the terms of, I, I did you guys feel like you? I know we're not huge fans of Todd Phillips, and I know we don't all know his movies really well. But did you guys? Could you tell, or could you see trends of Todd Phillips in this movie? No. Yes. Because I had some things that, and again, unfortunately, it's going to come back to the thing I've been talking about, which is the lack of subtlety. But I think about some of his comedies, and I think about. The Hangover, which I hate, and it's it's broad comedy. There's nothing subtle about the comedy in that movie, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. This is something that he apparently lacks a touch for. And then I think about movies like Old School, and I think that movie's funny, but then I realize like, the scenes where Will Ferrell's yelling, we're going streaking, and the, kind of those more obvious, loud comedy moments I don't think are as funny. Like The ones I always laugh the hardest at are with when, like, uh, when Will Ferrell's in the kitchen and he slams the cabinet door closed with the hockey stick sort of in the background of a scene and there's just these little moments and you know perhaps they should be more credited to actors like Will Ferrell than Todd Phillips but those are subtle moments in some of those movies that I think are funny so I think it was just more proof that this is not a director that can handle material in a way in a subtle way that can kind of guide you through a movie without hitting you over the head with one thing after another I mean, I just, how much? I, how much do you think he relied on Joaquin Phoenix? Like once he had him, he was like, "Oh shit, I'm just gonna let him take." The I mean, ball he's in with every it. scene of this movie, right? But he, did, I, I feel like he's like, "Oh, I, I have this great talent. I'm just gonna sort of let him go." I don't know. I this he. I mean, I. I mean, who probably cares? a lot, but who wouldn't? I mean, I just think anybody who has a great director pro- or has a great actor probably does that to a certain extent. Sure. Um. So I don't necessarily blame her for that. I just don't, like, I I don't see a, I didn't watch this movie and see a good director. And I don't, it was hard to pinpoint a lot of things specifically, but. He is, from everything I know about him and from his movies, just like someone who seems to just hate humanity. And that just comes out in this movie. Like, The Hangover, they're they're not friends, really. They, like, treat each other horribly. 
you know, there, there's no like like bond between them. There's a, you know, the one reason old school kind of st- sticks out for me is because at least those guys are kind of friend. There's nothing yeah. positive in any of his movies, but he makes com- quote unquote comedies. All of those hang hangover movies are just like hateful. And look, I'm I'm not I'm not a Lily <laughs> White more person. hateful than Joker. Yeah, you know, I I, <laughs> I obviously make some dark movies. You you've referenced that all the time, Lee. But like. You've got to have like a sliver of, of perspective, uh, a sliver of hope in, in in movie making. If you're a director, and I just, he just, <laughs> this movie just seems like it it, it 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 it's. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing, but it seems like you are living in in Arthur Fleck's mind. You know, you're you. There's it's just there doesn't seem to be any appreciation for anybody or anything in this movie. Or in any of his movies, how do you, I agree with you, Tim? Um, but how do you guys think he handled the illusions in this? Like the fact that he made up a lot of this movie in his own head. Speaking of being in his head, so I mean, I do have to be honest that I did fall asleep for part of the movie. But like, what <laughs> besides the Zazie Beats part? What 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 was an illusion? What's well, a Zazie Beat? Who's that? What's that? That's the that's the what's the Zazie beats? What's the that's the girlfriend by Dre? No, that's the girlfriend. Her name, her actress, the actress's name is Zazie beats. Yeah, yeah, he made that up. Yeah, what's the Zazie beats? That's what I'm talking about. But but then it also opened opened the movie up to being anything is in his mind well which, yes which the end which final is dangerous scene is, well the final scene leaves a, some some questions too which we'll get into but like i have to admit i was a little relieved when we learned that about the zazie beach oh, character for sure because because i was like zero what the fuck sense. is this relationship i was like but they this also is ridiculous. they also tried to cast somebody who was the doppelganger of the uh woman that de niro tries to date in king of comedy oh yeah that was weird um Okay, but so speaking of 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 doppelgangers in this movie because um the final scene of this movie um so we're entering some spoiler territory here. Uh we have the Joker in what appears to be Arkham Hospital. He's dressed on white, he's handcuffed, and he's talking to um he's talking to the same woman that interviewed Tom Cruise in Magnolia. And you know, says I'm going to tell you a joke. You wouldn't get it. And then I think there's some suggestion that he killed her and escapes. Yeah, that's what I or, um, or tries to escape or something. But even more, but even more of a question mark is why he's there because we see him before that escape from custody uh, amongst the riots in Gotham City. So you know, it leaves some questions. Um, is this just him later? Was he captured again? Uh, did is there something that he has been imagining? You know, did he imagine this whole scenario? Uh, which I I don't totally dismiss, although that doesn't really make sense for a Joker origin story. But uh, I don't totally dismiss because um, the scene at the end is set up very similarly to the scenes he has with the you know. A social worker or therapist or hospital worker that he's talking to at the beginning of the movie. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. No, so that's, that's correct. Seeing those scenes kind of p- 
parallel each other, I thought was a hint that maybe, you know, he was never in that office. He was only ever in this hospital. Um, like the whole thing is a dream. Right. Now, well, there, there was there was that my, aspect to it, which I think is just cinematic cheap. convention. I know you love that Chapin, but that's well that was part of the reason I wanted to like get into this because look, I like a movie that leaves us with questions, but like for Christ's sake, this didn't earn any of that. It doesn't ask any questions throughout this entire movie. It tells us everything. And then they try to do this at the end with this bit like, "Oh, well what do you think really happened?" You know? Like that's that's obnoxious. Yeah, I think that whole idea of like making aspects and scenes up is, and then like the thing about it was it wasn't really a part of this movie. Yeah, he has the illusions of being on the uh, whatever Murray show, but that's clear. Like he, it cuts back to him within that fantasy. But then there's this whole thing with uh, uh, Beats by Dre there, whatever her name is. Zazie Beats. Um, <laughs> Zazie Beats. Yeah. That all of a sudden at the end, it's just like starts flashing back to those same scenes without her. And it's like, okay. Like, I guess yeah, anything can be. Well, anything could be made up at this point. Like, what are we doing here? But this, this is another, I think this is another poorly executed attempt at trying to display what mental illness can do. And like, that bothers me. Like, look, like this is a this is a topic that is you know kind of, kind of in the forefront of conversation now. So it's fine to make a movie that covers that, and I'm even fine with a movie that shows how that can like deteriorate a person and turn them into a you know a dangerous person. Like you guys said, like I don't think that that a, a filmmaker needs to steer away from that because there's crazy people in the world. But you know to to treat it with such like i don't know to just i guess to just not do it well is insulting to that that condition you know so to tell us everything that's happening and show us in such obvious ways what is happening and that's driving this person crazy is is disrespectful to you know the condition of mental illness can can i make another kind of the opposite point or a sort of a uh, sort of a, an addendum to that. Yeah. It, it, like that's a really great point. And I, I agree with you totally Lee, but I also think like that takes away our ability to enjoy the Joker. And I think one of the things that I especially identified with the um, Nolan Joker was that he does have this kind of nihilistic perspective on the world that I feel like we all have at some points in our lives. And sometimes maybe we feel it once in a while. It's not necessarily a mental illness. It's just feeling like the world doesn't mean anything and nothing matters. It's kind of like a post-religious sentiment, you know, that, that in, in a, (laughs) a godless world, people feel often, you know, it's like, why, why does any of this matter? Might as well laugh at it. And, you know, chaos ensues and let's watch the world burn, et cetera. And that's interesting. It doesn't mean you, you don't have to like believe that as a, as an ethos or a philosophy, but you can kind of identify with it and maybe even revel in it when you're, when you're watching parts of that film. But, you know, so th- having the Joker be this like 
not necessarily a sympathetic character, but a character that, like, you know, somehow, for, like, you know, explaining who he is or or giving him a reason to be just takes that ability away from you. You can't you can't momentarily jump into him and and jump out. You're not. It's it, it's you don't have that same power when you've done what Todd Phillips has done to to this Joker. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think you're. I mean. I think you guys are all right with everything you're saying. I just didn't have that visceral reaction in the hate column only because I enjoyed watching an actor at his peak. And I feel like that's sort of our biggest disagreement is I feel like this is you should Joaquin see the Phoenix at his... Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll check it out. Um at his peak like we're just watch every movie he does is just super interesting like his physicality like the what he does with his bot like every decision he makes it's grotesque and interesting um and i think that's something worth watching especially with a movie that's just a sort of a uh a an individual piece it's a it's it's a movie about one person where that's gonna you know take a lot of the the brunt of the story and if you have an actor like joaquin phoenix it 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 is interesting like that stuff's interesting like his laugh is interesting like all that stuff is is worth watching i i could see him acting in this movie which Again, to compare oh, to Heath Ledger, like you, he loses himself in that role to such an extent that you know anybody who didn't read that it was Heath Ledger would never know. And I don't feel that way here. I can I can see. Well, him he doesn't have makeup here. on the whole time. I, I also think that it's the these performances are like derivative of of Joaquin Phoenix's own performances. I, I mean, I I looked at his physicality and I saw Freddie Quill. I looked at his yeah, kind totally of did, y- you know the the sort of sullen uh the the parts where he's quieter. I I saw the homeboy he, with the hammer from uh from the, you know you were never really here. You know, I I I I, I have agree. to admit I didn't I didn't discover this for myself. I read this, but it's so true. Like there, he there's a scene in this movie where he's like holding his eyes open and like purposely not blinking, and like tears are coming out of his eyes. And like you're like, oh, look at Joaquin Phoenix like working really hard to keep his eyes open. Where he does that in the mask there, where he doesn't blink, and it's just totally in the role. Do you guys remember and it's just the, such a difference? Do you guys remember my theory? That it was my my my. Uh, I think it, I called it my Elizabeth Town, and then it was uh, something else. But it's the Elizabethtown effect where you see somebody do something very similar to what they've done in the past, but it's horrible. And then you start looking at the things they did in the past oh, yeah, and, they, yeah, yeah. And, and they you start to say, maybe this was also horrible. That's yeah, what this performance is. Movies that I you really like, yeah. hope that I go, can go back and watch The Master and not feel that way about Joaquin. Okay. I mean, I certainly liked him more than Chapin did in this movie, but... Jeremy, I mean, this the, uh, just if you scroll through reviews on this movie, like they're, it's they're pretty divided. Like there's a lot of hundred point meta meta scores. There's some nineties, high eighties, and then you know you you've got a couple in the middle, but then you jump down, and there's a lot in the red here. Um, you know, uh, what A.O. Are the Scott red? and like, Michael what Phillips are their among problems? them. Well, I, first, my question is it Phoenix. I, it's a no. It's not so much that. I think it's a lot more of what me and Chapin have been talking about. That like to what end? You know, you're watching this movie. 
and like all these horrible things are happening, but for what, you know, you're not, you're not really getting anything out of it, but I'm curious two things. Um, one, what, where, what would your score be? Cause I'm kind of curious just like where exactly you fall on this movie. And then also like, how can you defend the hundred point meta score from people? No, no, I, I, I definitely didn't love this movie, but I, I would be somewhere in like the 75. I def I enjoyed it, but I also got, I, I honestly, the biggest critique I can give this movie is was, I got really bored for, a lot of it yeah i just like the repeat scenes of him you know getting beaten down by life you know got old really quick but joaquin phoenix is was interesting enough to me that i you know i i thought he, he was worth the the effort to put in for though that extra hour and a half where nothing happened because <laughs> I, I, I thought he was doing something interesting. Well, maybe we will relitigate this on the fixies. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to give him credit. I think our biggest uh, difference here is in the performance. I liked him in it. I, I certainly didn't feel the same way Chapin did. I'm probably closer to you on that aspect of the movie. Uh, and sometimes I feel like this movie just didn't deserve him in that respect. So I don't know, like maybe the opposite of my my what I was saying a little bit about uh, about Vice, where I hold I I mean it's partly Adam McKay's fault, I'm sure, but I like hold it against Christian Bale for losing himself in a role that didn't make sense in the movie he was making, and here. You know, the, the Joker is a character you need to lose yourself into and you need to go all out for. And then there was this movie surrounding him that just wasn't very good. Hi there. Hi. I saw you sitting over here by yourself. And I thought, thank God, someone normal who doesn't know how to interact with these things either. Yeah. I don't ever know what to say. I'm Clementine. Can I borrow a piece of your chicken? And then you just took it without waiting for an answer. <laughs> it was so intimate. Like we were already lovers. All right, uh, our top five. So this week we're gonna do our top five lonely characters. Obviously, I already alluded to <laughs> some of mine. God um, damn it! But you know, I was making a point. A point That's fine. about it's fine. Let's just Joker. Do it. Let's that just was Im important. So uh, I'm gonna have you kick it off, Chapin. Top five lonely characters in the cinema. Okay. Um, yeah. So I wanted to avoid um, my only pr real. Uh, what's the word we always use? Criteria. Criteria was that they couldn't just be like alone. So you know, somebody like Tom Hanks in. Uh, yeah, I had that too. In Castaway, wouldn't really work. So my number five is Travis from Paris, Texas. Not the Travis you thought I was going to say, huh? Ooh, Ooh yeah, twist. you did. You twisted, twisted it on us. Twist. Uh, but Polish. I've never seen Paris, Texas. Nor have I. Good film. Uh, it's good. It, it's it's really good. I, I recently saw it on film at, a, at the, our little nonprofit movie theater here, The Hollywood. Um, and it's really good. Um, I, I, I think it's a it's a meditative kind of type of film, but um, Harry Dean Stanton gives a great performance. I, I, I couldn't... Um, yeah, it's great. 
Well, that's a great pick because uh, it's not one I don't think Lee and I are going to have. Lee, what's your it's number not. five? My number five is Mr. Carl Fredrickson from Up. Oh. Poor oh, old fellow pick. lost his wife that he uh, loved dearly uh, since yep. they were children. Dead. And goes on a journey to try to you know, fulfill his lifelong dreams. That's a great pick. That's out of the box. <laughs> I tried to I tried to think outside the box. There were some obvious ones that may or may not have been mentioned during the podcast. Uh, well, so speaking of those obvious ones, my number five <laughs> is a six-way tie. <laughs> is uh, Harry Call, Gene Hackman from fucker. The Conversation. Damn it! You know that's going to be on my list. Why did you take it? Well, I because it's <laughs> it's an obvious one. Uh, the thing is, I mean, this is when we start reordering our lists so that our number ones yeah. are not really number ones, but we want to make sure we get the good ones in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what else can we say about that movie? Um, it's good. It's good. It's really Very good. good. Okay, okay but number four. My number four is, you know, Miles from Sideways. Ah, you mother. Really? Yeah. Very lonely. <laughs> no, no, it's a good... <laughs> oh, you're gonna hand a card out? Guess what? I can't even read that shit. It was in the fucking this back the... row. Wait, this this is the real origin of Joker. This podcast. <laughs> we can't get so pissed at my top five God damn it. Alright, go ahead. Uh that's my number four as well, Miles from Sideways. One of my All favorite right. one of my favorite films. Named my son after it. So what? What? Um, why do you guys consider that a lonely, lonely character? Because he drinks I mean, a two thousand dollar bottle of wine in a burger shop by himself. He's obviously a lonely <laughs> out character. of a styrofoam cup. <laughs> yeah, it is a R- right. Rydell styrofoam cup, though we should say. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's real. Yeah, <laughs> Austrian. You win. Glass. All right, my number four is uh, is Brandon. Uh, played by Michael Fassbender from the movie Shame. I never oh, saw Shame. I get laid too much. Oh, feel bad for me. <laughs> I'm so lonely. I'm a I huge cock oh. all the time, and I have a giant penis. So yeah, lonely. Move on. Not gonna feel bad for you, son. <laughs> uh, my life's so bad that I just I I have to have sex all the time. Uh, my number three is Sam Bell from the film Moon. Yeah, I thought about that, but I I put that on so many lists. Yeah, but uh, it's a great it's a yeah. it's a great pick. I mean, Excellent. you can't get much lonelier than that, than being alone. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. My number three is Sean, played by the late Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, I think he's a lonely guy. That's a nice. Right? That's I mean, a good. Uh, oh, that's a good pick. Yeah, a I good like pick. that. That one makes you think. Again, he's sort of the Carl Fredrickson type of loneliness, you know, not yeah. willing to move on after the death of his uh, love of his life. That's a great pick. Brilliant. All right. Uh, my number three, is that what we're on? Yep. Sure are. Mo- making, making, oh, making real moves to this one. We're going quick. Uh, mine is Ben, played by Sir Nicholas Cage <laughs> in Leaving Las Vegas. A guy who wants to drink himself to death. 
No, so is he I, lonely? Yeah, because I saw he that. Is. On he's super like, lonely. Is he lonely? Why? Like, he, no, he is. He has a prostitute. He ends up like befriending a prostitute because he won't, and he's just all he's trying to do is drink himself. To but death. he seems oddly satisfied with his end of days. Yeah, yeah, but he's lonely. He's alone. Yeah, but there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. I, I am alone. I am not lonely. Said the number eight on my yeah, list, but, Neil McCauley from Heat. But, like, the fact that he develops this relationship is the whole, like, saving grace of him. I think you need to pick I'm still going one. with it. Nope. Number three. <laughs> Jeremy's losing so far. I don't think so. According to me, I'm not. <laughs> you're, you're, we, all, we all vote at the end. We just pick, we pick ourselves. ourselves. Can't vote for yourself, though. Uh, brilliant. Okay. Uh, my number two is a much better. You guys wait. Is a much better so number two. Joaquin Phoenix performance, and that's Theodore in the film Her by Spike Jones. Uh, oh, okay. that's on my yeah. uh, honorable mention. And, so and, and can I use this as as just a, look? We don't want to be prescriptive, even for the worst movie of 2019. But like, oh wouldn't God. it be interesting <laughs> if um, they may set the Joker in um, 2019? You know, like, wouldn't it be interesting to see how that character came out of modern times? I feel like it's how, how is he going to copy Scorsese if he does that? Exactly. He doesn't. He doesn't get enough uh, likes on Todd Instagram. Todd Phillips totally bites everything from Scorsese. <laughs> is it Scorsese a producer on this fucking terrible movie? Is he? Know. Well, how great would it be? Bradley Spike, Cooper if was. Spike Jones directed this movie. All right, so I watched this the uh, Between Two Ferns movie because. Oh, I started to. I couldn't finish it. It's so bad. It's so bad. But uh, the whole thing is just to get to the other, you know, interviews. Yeah. But one of my favorite jokes was when he was interviewing um, John Hamm, and he's like, hey, Bradley Cooper uh, wrote, directed, and starred in A Star is Born. John Hamm's like, yeah, I heard that was a really good movie. And then he's like, "Do you think this will open the door for other hot idiots?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those the little skits are fine. The movie was dumb. I didn't finish it, but oh, and uh, then he he was interviewing Matthew McConaughey. He's like, "You lost so much weight for uh, Dallas Buyers Club." I I was worried you were going to be the first person to die from fake AIDS. <laughs> Uh, okay all right my number two is that where we're at twos yeah number two number two norma desmond played by gloria swanson oh you you have lee you won you won this that's a good one i'm gonna give it to you i'm gonna give it to you (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's too good uh, yeah, that's a great pick. I don't know what else to say. But... <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Moving okay. on. All right. Uh, my number two. Yeah. Yes. What is uh, is Chris from Into the Wild? Again, yeah. not lonely. Alone, not lonely. No, he does, but at the end, no, that's he his is lonely. Thesis. The whole like, thing is yeah, like, is like, yeah, it's better. Shared. He's like, I wish, exactly, I wish it was with people. Yeah, it's the definition. I of I mean, lonely. I think that movie is just like a fundamental this misunderstanding of the book. But besides, but yes, for 
fuck's sake, I'm losing this one. Okay, so my number one was Harry Call from the conversation, but I am going to switch in my pinch hitter, which is Vincent from Collateral, played by oh. Sir Tom of Cruise. Sir Thomas Cruise. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That's a great pick. I mean, honestly, like, he, he talks to one person. I guess two people, but one of them who he executes, so... I don't know how much that counts, but like, you know, he like, imagine what his life, like his life is the Joker's life. Like he's, he's institutionalized and grew up without with an abusive father, presumably. And, and, and he's just like this guy who has, who has no, has hatred for humanity. And his job is to, you know, murder 10 people at a night. Some, some guys have all the luck. Some people just fall into good careers, yeah. you know? The rest, some of us have to work for shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Top right, off Lee. my amazing yeah. list <sighs> with my number one, Sarah Goldfarb, Ellen Bernstein in Requiem for a Dream. Oh, for fuck's sake, you, you have a really good list. Did you come up with these, or? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, no, I did research, but. That was, that was not a lot of lists. Is she lonely, though? Because she just seems totally. sort of desperate. She's lonely. She oh, always wants her son to come visit. Pathetic. Uh, Harry, really? you never come visit. Harry, I'm going to be on the television in the red dress. She's so hot in that. <laughs> uh, well, my uh, I'm going to finish off my pathetic list with my number one, which is Travis Bickle. <laughs> taxi driver. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you guys don't even have it on the list. Yeah, because so like, I, I figured it was, the, it was the gonna Travis be, Bickle memorial list. I was going to be my memorial list, but then nobody mentioned it, so I'm like, I, somebody's got to say it. Played by Joaquin Phoenix in Joker. Oh, for f- I was. I have to admit, I was waiting for him to be like, to have a line in that movie where he's like, someday a real rain's going to come and clean up this city. You might but as see, well just put it in there. Can I just say this? Like, Is Travis Bickle... Is that at the end of the day? Is he lonely, or is he just like? Is the point of his character this is that he's sort of confused and like you know miss the you know just just that like he he's has a different like he's got a problem, but I don't think it's that he's lonely. The fact that that lonely. you have that question and that we can ask it and have a discussion about it proves why that movie is so much better than Joker. Like it's a layered character. There's a lot to him. Like, and I think he is lonely. I think that's part of the the Travis Bickle, you know, story. Like we don't, it's hard to learn about him because he doesn't really have any connection to anybody. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the get your film fix podcast. If you agree with me or, uh, Chapin, maybe you're on the other side. Uh, email please, us. Please email at, us. Please, please, email please, please, us please email us. We want to hear from at, you. Uh, get your film fix podcast. What what is our uh, get your film fix again? podcast? You were getting there, feedback yeah. at get your film fix podcast. Feedback at yeah. So there you go. That's probably why they don't email us because we don't even fucking. <laughs> well, know you the can email. click the link is always below in your podcast app. So simple. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee.
enjoying my coffee. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Top five. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do that a lot. This movie made right. $93 billion this weekend. Fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah, it also is, like, number nine. On, this just goes to show you, like, how fucking stupid audiences are. It's, like, number nine or something on the IND Top 250, which, as we know, means absolutely nothing. No, it is not. 